what's up, everybody? Welcome back to UFC Roundup. You can see that Michael Chiesa is flexing because he decided that he's going to go and get a fight, and he's not going to announce the news on Roundup, but he's going to do it with his big, cushy job with the UFC. Welcome the desk. I'm just going to get myself some tea here, and why don't you let the people know that don't know already, Michael, what's going on. First of all, I got to say, dude, and I know I've already told you this, I do love the fight. I think it's a great matchup, and um, obviously you're going to win. Unless I'm calling it, and then I got to say that I, I don't know who's going to win. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, I'm fighting Li Jingliang April 8th in Miami, Florida. Um, you know, to be honest with you, just to be up front with all of you guys, um, you know, it just, I just feel like I have a big weight lifted off of my shoulders, you know, in the – in the 14 months I've been out, um, you know, there's some uncertainty not knowing if, if I was ever even really going to compete again. You know, I have I've been going through my whole career. I've had a lot of back problems. Um, and they really finally came to a head almost a year ago today. And, uh, you know, talking to guys like D.C. that had to, they, they, they were recommending I get surgery and D.C. told me not to do it. He was never the same. And, you know, <clears throat> his style is really based around wrestling. And he said he could never wrestle right af after that. So I. You know, so uh, I put I put the surgery to the side and, um, you know, the, the team over at the UFCPI, they got me back to a full bill of health. I feel great. And, and I have a big weight lifted off my shoulders because now I know I am going to compete again. And I still got a lot of tread left on my tires. My body feels good. My chin's intact. I'm ready to make another run at this thing, Paul. Yeah, I mean, shit, you're rested up. You're feeling good. Um, and sometimes that's that's what we need. And I know it's tough, man, to be kind of in that limbo. Am I fighting? Am I not fighting? Where do I where do I stand? And people are obviously asking, when are you coming back? What's going on? And you, you can't really you don't want to disclose everything that's going on in your physical life and things like that. So I know that that's uh, that's tough. I'm glad that you've got a fight. I love it when Kies is in camp and we we get to see some footage of you beating the crap yeah. out of people and wrestling. And hopefully uh, I don't think I'm calling that one. So, again. I'll be drinking tall boys right over there on there the couch. Uh, screaming That's what I like to hear. Why don't you just come down to Miami, dude? Come hang out. Come on. Maybe let's I'll go. get a nice linen shirt and come down yeah, there in Miami. And Lins, baby, let's go. <laughs> yeah, that after, that's an after party I would enjoy being a part of. But absolutely. speaking of after parties, speaking of long flights, obviously our producer, Michael Ricci, will be flying out today to go down to Perth because UFC 284 is this weekend. And the two pound for pounds are going at it. It's very rare that we see these kind of fights happen, especially after a champion just wins the belt. Islam just wins the belt against Charles Oliveira, and he's already defending it against, uh, you know, the 145 champion, uh, Alex Volkanovsky, stepping up to 155, but he gets to do it in his home country. What are your thoughts on this one? Obviously, the odds show a big favor in, in way of Islam. Uh, he's obviously going to be the bigger guy. But, Michael, something you mentioned before we started the broadcast, that this is nothing new to the 145-pound champ, that being undersized and being a guy playing big man sports and doing well in them is no nothing, nothing new to this man. No, I mean, you can go back to the rugby footage. And they really they really talk about this a lot in the countdown show. So it's, it's a good point of reference for you guys. Um, this is kind of where I came up with this um, kind of idea that he's always been undersized in sports. Um, so you go watch that countdown show and he really talks about it and it really makes sense. You look at the guys he played against in rugby. These are really big physical men. And it's not just him taking on one of them. He's taking on multiple guys. I don't know how the rules of rugby work, Paul, but I just see him running up the field and I see a lot of guys that are a lot taller than him trying to pull him down and it's just not working. So uh, yeah. maybe the people that know rugby can add more context to that. But, you know, Volk's just always, even at 45, he's always kind of the smaller, shorter guy. Yeah. 
uh, and he kind of thrives in that spot. And you know that he put the right, put the weight on the right way. And he's a very determined guy. And the thing that I love about this fight the most for Volk is there's really nothing to lose. I mean, the the number one pound for pound spot doesn't come with a belt. That's all speculative. That's all an opinion. There's really no everybody has an opinion as to who's the number one pound for pound. So for him, there's nothing to lose. He wins. I mean, in my opinion, I, I, I will say this. I will go out on a limb. And people think I'm crazy for saying this. If Alexander Volkanovsky beats Islam Mahachev, to me, he's the best fighter we have ever seen of our time. Like, I mean, you talk about the John Joneses, the Demetrius Johnsons, the Kamaru Usmans, the George St. Pierre's. Like, if he can go out there and take out Islam Mahachev and, and capture the 45 and 55 belts simultaneously, I think that that feat alone makes him the best of all time. You just look at his body of work. Look at the guys that he's faced. Look at who he's going up against this Saturday. I mean, to me, it should be an unarguable. It should be unarguable. If he wins, to me, he's the best of all time. Uh, there's 100% the argument is there for that because you talk about Demetrius Johnson, you talk about John Jones, you talk about all the greats, but not every one of them has gone and gotten a belt up a weight class like this. And to do it, clearing out your division first then to go up and not only take out somebody, but to take out somebody that nobody really wants to face even in that division. So to move up from a smaller weight class and go accomplish that um, is incredible. The way that he is handled, you know, supposedly one of the other greatest featherweights of all time and Max Holloway, the way he's taken him out. I mean, he's taken the greats out in 145 pounds and now is seeking to do the same thing at 55 pounds. And for people at home, it's going to be so pivotal to watch this first round. And like you talked about as a wrestler, Michael, not, not will he get taken down, but when he gets taken down, how quickly can Volkanovsky do what he normally does and pop back up to his feet? Because I think it's going to be, and we both agree on this, it's going to be a really long night. Even if he doesn't get finished, it's going to be a really long night if Islam is able to control him. Yeah, and you know, in... A lot of people are probably thinking, why are we giving so much sign to Volk? Look, it's easy to talk Islam Mahachev. Look, this is the heir to Habib Nurmagomedov's throne. That alone speaks volumes. But we have to put some shine on a Volkanovsky to realize this, this is not just a – this fight has the potential to not be one-way traffic. It really has the potential to be very competitive. And for Volk, he's doing all the right things. You know, to address the wrestling, he brought in Frank Hickman. I've trained with Frank Hickman. Very slick wrestler. Can really emulate a lot of those positions. Maybe not the type of pressure that mm -hmm. Islam brings, but he can definitely emulate the techniques. And then when you talk about the pressure, then you bring in the 205 pound, one of the best grapplers of all time, Craig Jones. I mean, another guy I've trained with who's an absolute mauler when it comes to grappling. I mean, that's the guy that can bring the pressure. So he brings in the right partners. He's going about the diet the right way. He's dotting his I's. He's crossing his T's. He's doing all the right things to really punctuate the story as, as to how he's going to have success in this fight. So he's doing all the right things. So for Islam, you know, it's just continue what you've been doing. Train with the same guys. You know, you, his stables, a bunch of guys we probably never heard of that could probably win titles in other divisions in the UFC. Like that's that's how deep Islam's team is. And what what I'm curious yeah. about, Paul, is how much was Khabib involved in this camp? How much was wow. Khabib involved? You know, him not being there. Is that going to play a part in this fight with him yeah. kind of being out of the picture, him stepping away from mixed martial arts? I wonder if that's going to have any type of negative effect on Islam. That's a really good point um, that I think a lot of people are probably going to overlook because he's been so pivotal in that corner. 
And he's so damn good as a coach. We've seen in the short period of time since he stepped away from being an active fighter himself, what he's been able to do to the team around him and how he motivates him. And when you talk to Bilal Muhammad, who spent that Sean Brady training camp working with Habib and Islam and over in Abu Dhabi and just the training, the room, the regiment that these guys get put through, that's preparing him. I, I don't I don't know. I'm not saying that it's not going to be the same level that he's training, but it, it's it's not quite the same if Habib is not there every day. And another thing I wanted to bring up too, Michael, was the price there. We talked about the odds here. Do you think it's priced right? Do you think it's skewed one way or the other? What are your thoughts on on how the the uh, the sharps have labeled this one? You know, honestly, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure the line opened up with Islam being or with with Volkanovski being a four to one underdog. Um, obviously that, that price has been shot down a little bit, but there's no reason why this fight should be, you know, around the two to one area. I mean, the, the odds makers have it right. I mean, Islam's that dominant. Um, you know, it, it, it is, you know, as much as I'm saying Islam or the, sorry, as much as I'm saying that Alex has a chance in this fight, it's still an uphill battle. It's not yeah. like, Hey, the odds makers have this wrong. This fight should be a pick em. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying it's going to be tough. It's going to be the toughest fight of Alexander Volkanovsky's career. He's built for it, though. But the odds makers do have it right. I just think about kind of going back to that last point I made talk, talking about Habib. You know, I've had the same coach my entire career. There's not a single fight in the 15 years I've been doing mixed martial arts that Rick Little has not been my chief cornerman. And every fighter's different. Every fighter's mentality is different. I just know that I would not feel the same headed into battle not having – my longtime chief and command at the reins um, with me heading into a fight, you know, Islam, I'm not saying he's, he's mentally built like me, but I know a lot of fighters are built very similar to, to myself. So I think a lot of fighters would say not having your, your chief guy that's been with you for the entire ride, the entire duration of your career and essentially their life, they've been training together since they were kids. Yeah. I, I have a hard time believing that's not going to have some type of negative effect on Islam, but you know, I guess the fight will play out and we'll find out. Yeah. And, you know, we got to look at the matchups that both these guys have had in their past and who has maybe faced somebody or faced the adversity that their opponent is going to bring to the table. And the one that stands out for Volkanovsky is how Brian Ortega was able to get him in the absolute best positions for his game and not finish it. That mounted guillotine was tight. The triangle was tight, and he was able to fight tooth and nail to get out of those positions, still have the energy to outstrike him, outwork him, and win the fight. And other than that, though, I was just looking at his his uh, reign in the UFC, and I don't see anybody that's similar, that similar to Islam that Volkanovski had faced. Maybe when he fought... Um, Where's it? Chad, because Chad had wrestling. Uh, Chad Mendez, I would say, is the claim. Let's be honest. Come on. Size wise, they're completely different. And the way they wrestle, the way they punch and strike is is totally different. So I I think that's where the mat the uh, the odds makers have it right because this is an uphill battle. This is a challenge. And and Volkanovsky knows that. That's why he wants this. He's the type of fighter that really shines in moments like this. I think where he's got his back up against the wall, where people have really counted them out. And if he goes out there and just has a great night and doesn't win the, the second belt, I think he'll be disappointed in himself. I think he's going out there 100% to shock the world and he'd be disappointed with anything less. Um, and if Islam for a second, I, and I don't think that he is, I think he's the type of fighter that is dialed in and ready to face anybody. But if he slips up on him, 
especially early and lets Volkanovski get his striking going and can't get this fight to the ground. It could be a long night for him. Yeah, it could definitely be a long night for me. I've, I've sat, I've watched Volkanovski train, and he's one of those guys. You, know, Paul, you know me. I like watching people hit pads. One of my favorite yeah. people to watch hit pads is the person that I share this show with, Paul. You know this. And when you watch Volkanovski, hey, get me itch to hit some pads soon. I'll send you a video, by the way. Please do. Volk uh, yeah. moves so good. He knows how to use all of his real estate. He understands his angles. He's a hard guy to really pin down, um, and he's he's. His progression across his fights is insane. Like, you look at how he, his title run started. He kind of snuck by Max Holloway. Then the next fight, pretty questionable. Third fight, then he just mauls him. Then he mauls Korean Zombie. Then the thing that he did to Brian Ortega, I mean, aside from Brian Ortega getting those submission attempts, it was like a one-way trap. It was a, you know, Volkanovski was the hammer and Ortega was the nail. And when we talk about that fight, a lot of people are like, well, Ortega almost got him. So that means Islam's going to get him for sure. It's like, do you look at it like that? Or do you look at it like his defense is that good? And if Brian Ortega, whose nickname is literally T-City, meaning Triangle City, if Ortega can't get him in his two best moves, that just means his defense is that good. So it depends on when you take that scenario and how you look at it like, oh, well, Islam's getting him for sure because Ortega almost did. Or you look at it like, wow, Ortega couldn't even get him with his best subs. And he's one yeah. of the most talented submission artists we have in the UFC. You look at that situation, and it's like, how do you view that? How do you apply it to this fight? That's what makes this fight so fun. They're really, you know, I think if you matched Islam with anybody right now, there really wouldn't be a question as to who's going to win. But it's like this fight, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of what ifs that could really become realities. Yeah, well, that being said, we're both not working this fight, so we get to make our picks. Michael, I'll let you start. Who, who you got? And if you got a how and when, that throw it out there. You know what? I'm taking Volk split decision. Wow! I, think I, I am. You know what? And I maybe I have a little bit of a bias, dude. I'm, I'm, me and the boys down under, we're like this. We're airtight. You know, I, I love yeah. Volk. He brought me out on his season of tough. You know, my, my teammate Brady. You know, he, he, yeah. he was, you know, was an understudy of Volk when he was on the Ultimate Fighter. I'm a Volk guy. You know, and, but like I said, this isn't my bias. Isn't dominating my pick. I really. I just feel there's just something in the air. I think it's going to be competitive, but it being in Australia and you knowing how sometimes hometown fans can persuade these judges, man. Joe, okay. Yeah. I'm taking Volk. Let's go, baby. Hey, I, you know, that's, that's why we have this show is to have yeah. bold predictions. And yeah. I like it. I didn't, I didn't think you were going with it. I know you're a big, big team Volk, but we didn't talk about this beforehand. So that, that one uh, took me by surprise. Listen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be like a lot of other people. I'm going to be like these odds makers and, and everybody else. I, I just think Islam is going to be too much. Now, would I love to see Volko in there and pull it off? I love both these guys. I truly think yeah. both of them have a, a extremely long careers ahead of them, especially Islam. But I think it would be kind of bittersweet if Islam loses this one. The guy just got that lightweight belt. It's his first title defense, and he's got to do it against one of the other guys that we all love going for his double yeah. champ status. So this one's tough, but... I'm going with Islam. I do think Volkanovski is too damn tough. I think it's going to go all five rounds. I think it's going to be an exciting fight, even though Islam definitely is going to want to get this fight to the ground. He's going to want to use his wrestling and his grappling. I think he's going to get submission attempts, but I think Volkanovski is just next level effing tough, man. I think there's going to be a couple of those moments where you're like, oh God, he's going to get him. And he's yeah. going to get out and he's going to have his moments. And I think Islam is going to have to dig deep. And I think, 
ultimately it's going to be really good for him to go down there fighting somebody else's backyard having just won the belt in Abu Dhabi where it, it almost feels like the, a home game to him and Habib and all these guys so for this one I, I think I think unanimous decision but it's going to be a fun one I hope you know what's funny Paul <laughs> I just thought of this uh, you know Islam wins the title he beats Charles Oliveira and then Habib takes the mic and is like hey we're going to go to the pound for pound greats backyard in Australia and we're going to fight him. Yeah. And then he sends him down there by himself without Habib. Habib's like, all right, here you go. I just, yeah. <laughs> what if he loses? <laughs> what if he loses? Like, Oh my oh, gosh. Man. You signed yourself. You signed your boy up for that. On Damn, the Habib. Like, all right. All right. You got this Islam. Um, I'll be watching from the mountain. Let's see how tough you really are kid. <laughs> Kicked him out of the boat. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, that's like the videos of Habib swimming in the river where he's like trying to swim upstream for cardio. You ever see those videos? <laughs> yeah, and he's like, "This is where we played as a child, and people died." I'm yeah, like, wow, that says everything. Because right next to that was some like quarry filled with stones where they also played and threw rocks at each other, and that's why those are <laughs> as tough as they are. What did you guys do? Oh, we tried to swim upstream, got attacked, had to wrestle bears, and threw rocks at each other. What'd you guys end up becoming? Uh, champions of the world yeah i thought i was tough eating mud and yeah i know shit at my friends i grew I, up in the oh i grew up in the inner city oh man it was really rough and it's like you watch these guys living on the cliffs of dagestan and geez. man they're just my man cool. card's officially been pulled for the day yeah i know speaking so of man your, cards paul family, guys speaking of man cards paul we got a the co-main event the fight that's really not getting any shine but oh. it, as the fight week progresses, obviously it's going to get into the limelight. But Yair Rodriguez versus Josh Emmett. I yep. mean, this is a this fight. I'm not saying it's going to be fight of the night. This fight could potentially be fight of the year. You know, Yair Rodriguez, you know, known for that legendary fight against Chang Sung Jung that you had the pleasure of calling in Denver, yeah. Colorado. And then he got the power puncher, Josh Emmett, who's just got bludgeoning knockout power. I mean, Paul, what are your, yeah. what were your thoughts when this fight was made? Um, chaos. This is yeah. one of those, this is, this is just a fight fans delight, right? Because both these guys, whether there's going to be grappling exchanges, there's going to be fireworks on the feet, Josh, I mean, are totally, and they're just totally different styles. You've got this just plodding forward, rushing in fake takedown attempts, big overhand punches, big, strong hooks. And then more of this just finesse, unique, you know, super accurate, and super clean striker in Yair Rodriguez, um, but also just tough as they come, both these men. And to have the belt on the line while the current champ is trying to move up a weight class and and fight, you know, Islam for the the one fifty five pound belt. It opens up so many opportunities, and it's just you feel the pressure to really lay it on the line because this is who Volkanovski is going to be challenging next for the for the unified belt. So. But I, I think as far as striking goes, the cleaner striker is obviously by far Yair. But the powerful yeah, striker and Emmett, sure. I think they're going to clash. I think it's going to be bloody. And I think it's going to be messy. And I think it's going to go far into the fight. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a decision. It might be a late finish from one of these guys. But this is just, this could really steal all the shine of the main event, to be to be fair. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... The one frustrating part about Yair Rodriguez's inactivity. 
but you look at the yeah. way he fights and you look at how much of himself he leaves in there. I mean, you're talking a guy where even if he has a one-sided fight, he still has to get almost carried out of the octagon because of how many kicks he throws. In, in yeah, he breaks his damn legs every time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the guy takes so many risks, but that's why we love Yair Rodriguez. He's been a fan favorite fighter ever since he got into the UFC. I love his style. I actually, I brought Yair in when I trained for Anthony Pettis. And what a great training partner that was. And, uh, you know, he's just got so many different spinning attacks. You know, I'm pretty sure he comes from a Taekwondo background, if I'm correct. Right, Paul? Yes. Yep. Yeah, and you can see in his style. And then with Emmett, it's like, dude, the, just like I said, the bludgeoning knockout power. You know, shout out to Menlo Wrestling. You know, he went to Menlo Community College down in uh, California. But um, it's just short in stature, but he's thick. He, he's almost like Volkanovsky. And it's almost his build in the the skills that he possesses that's the guy that i've always kind of had in mind i'd like to see alex challenge next at 145 because he's cleaned out the division but you got a guy in emmett where he's short in stature big in stature has power has a lot of the things that volkanovsky has because and i feel like volk does good against taller guys you know him being able to get inside people's reach and really land those short hooks those leg kicks then you got a guy in emmett that you can't do that with so It'll be interesting to see if, if Emmett wins, how that fight with Volkanovski plays out. But I agree. I mean, I really think this fight is going to be blood and guts. I think these guys are going to really have to fight tooth and nail to get the edge on each other. I think I could see, yeah, you're having success with the teak kicks, with the long kicks. You know, it, there's no better way to address somebody's right hand than to kick on that side. It's to where they have to block the kick. You take away that right hand. And if Yair can start getting that going, you know, he's going to switch it up and, and do that nice switch kick that he hit against uh andre feely so both of these guys uh just have you know all different types of weapons and offenses they can bring to the table so it's going to be really interesting to see who wins i mean it, yeah. like you said paul this fight's going to be absolute chaos. i think it's going to be chaos and you know obviously we'll get we'll get picks going on this one too and I, I'll, I'll start the fight that sticks out to me though that that is influencing my pick a, a bit more i think is the calvin cater fight with Josh Emmett and it was very close to a split decision and I see a lot of similarities in Yair although the defenses maybe for Yair are a little bit weaker than a, a somebody like a Calvin Cater who's got a little bit more of a defensive boxing style um, yeah and uses the jab a bit more instead of the kicks but he de definitely kicks and uses his Muay Thai and his elbows and things like that and I think that's where I think I think just the cleaner strikes if you can keep the distance and 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 show that he's got his wrestling defense on point i think yair rodriguez is is uh is going to take this one and i hope it's i really do hope it's at least into the fourth or fifth round um yeah I think I, that would be i think it will be but i see yeah yair this getting... is a, this, this is a tough fight to pick this is one of those situations where it's like god i like both guys so much and yeah. you know you got a gun to your head and you got to pick um if emma can get inside it's going to be a big problem right here. If Emmett can get inside, close the space, take away the kicks, take lots, um, he could have he could give Yair a lot of problems. But then you start to think about, I mean, look what Yair did to Chang Sung Jung in the closing moments of that fight. Chang Sung Jung closed the space and he hit a technique we've never seen. I've never seen that oh. ever again in my life. That was once in a lifetime. Will you ever see something like that? I mean, Paul, you I were thought right it was there. a headbutt. <laughs> yeah, you're like I it thought was it was an, an accidental headbutt. <laughs> And they've, but they've, dude, they've I don't blame you for thinking that because he just dipped his head down. It was the shortest he, he little. Up, and the next thing I know, he comes up and yeah, and and uh, zombies on face down 
out cold. I was like, oh my God. And I think I even yelled, I think it might've been a headbutt. That, that has since been edited out of the highlight. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> take that, take that sound bite out. Cut you got to cut, cut, cut that one out. Cut, out. cut that out. Uh, you know, it, 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 as much as I am like, you know, I could see Emmett getting inside and giving Yair some problems in the close space. I just, I think that, I think Yair is going to take this one. I think that, you know, both of these guys are battle tested. Um, but you just like, you, I go back to that Chang Sung Jung fight a lot. And I think Yair has shown like, he is the true definition of that Mexican toughness, like that Mexican heart. Like you literally, you have to put, you got to put Yair in a body bag to get him out of the octagon. He is a very, very hard fighter to beat. I mean, look at Frankie Edgar. When Frankie Edgar, you know, broke his orbital bone, yeah. he was arguing with every, I mean, his eye was swollen shut. It looked like his, his eye had a tangerine right inside of it. And he was arguing with everybody. I want to fight. I want to fight. You got to put him in a body bag to get him out of there. And that is going to, like, this is going to be a blood and guts fight. And I think Yair shines in those fights. So as hard as this one was for me to pick, uh, I got to go with Yair Rodriguez. Yeah, I'm with you. It's a, it's a tough one. It's going to be an amazing fight. And uh, I can't see, I, I can't wait to see the winner eventually take on Volkanovski because both their styles make for very intriguing matchups. Absolutely. Um, and as far as one other fight to pick, uh, you know, I think we really got to talk about the hometown hero in this, in, on this card, Jack Della Maddalena, who's got some of the more amazing, pretty, accurate, dangerous boxing on the entire card, maybe even the entire UFC roster and the career that he's had so far. And he's taking on Randy Brown, who is very long, very rangy and on a streak himself at 170 pounds. He's got to fly down to Perth and he gets to take on Jack in his home city. I think Jack is from Perth, right? He's from, it's not just his home country. This is like a homes. This is a home city fight for Jack Della Maddalena. And man, I, I, Michael, I am beyond impressed with this young guy. He is, uh, as clean a body puncher as I have may, I may have ever seen in the UFC. And I love that. I I was never really that great at it myself. So I love when somebody is able to mix in the liver shot and the body work the way Jack does, because you just don't see it in MMA the way you see it in, in, in traditional boxing. But when, when people can pull it off with those four ounce gloves, my God, and he's got a whole lot of body to face in Randy Brown, but he's got to watch that rangy kicks, those rangy knees and elbows as well. Yeah, the the art of body punching requires a lot of things. A, balls of steel, especially in MMA fights. You have to stand right in front of your opponent. Boxing is different. Boxing is a mutual agreement that you are going to stand toe-to-toe and fight somebody, where for us, you're fighting in a place where you can't corral your opponent. you're, You're using all of your weapons. So to be a body puncher in mixed martial arts means you got big old cojones, uh, you have good, you have really good vision, and you're very skilled. And Jack, Jack is very, very skilled in that department. And it's, it's, it is, it really is an art in mixed martial arts when you can see somebody attack the body with those four ounce gloves. Um, you know, if that wasn't, if you wouldn't have picked that fight, that would have been the one I picked. But I got to go with the main card opener, Jimmy Crute versus Alonzo Menafield. I mean, Alonzo Menafield is just a Crazy tremendous fight. athlete. He's big. He's physically packs a punch. And he's starting yeah. to figure out how to manage his energy systems, which makes yes. him very dangerous. Alonzo used to be a guy like weather the storm. Those big muscles are going to, you know, they're going to get pumped out. And then you can take over from there where he's really figured out how to manage his energy systems. And, you know, Jimmy Crute, I mean, this is a guy that's, you know, he trains with Sam Greco, who's a tremendous kickboxer. And uh, he's just a very well-rounded young guy himself. And, you know, the 
these Aussies love, they love home. You know, I watched Jimmy crew fight at home in Melbourne when he fought and, you know, you, know, you can tell that he's going to bring, he's going to bring that energy, that, that Aussie energy into this fight. So I'm excited for, it. and for, for Alonzo, he's got, uh, you know, the, one of the best guys you can bring behind enemy lines with you and safe Sayud, who was just down in Brazil with Brandon Moreno when, when he beat Davidson Figueredo in the quadrilogy, the tetralogy, whatever you want to call it. I'm glad that whole debacle is over here on roundup. We're over. However the hell you, however the hell you talk about a fourth fight, but having safe Sayud in your corner going down to Australia, I mean that's a good guy to have on your side. So I'm excited for that fight. Yeah, that I I like that matchup. Um, yeah, that's that's I don't know how long that one's gonna last for anybody that's looking to bet on that one. I would bet that uh, you know Take it's not game. gonna go all three rounds. Uh, both guys are finishers. Both guys are dangerous, and they're big boys. So sure. yeah, it's gonna be a cracker. Um, that being said, we got to get into our five rounds. Um, an amazing card this weekend, UFC 284. Check it out. Don't forget. But let's get into it, Richie. Let's get our first uh, first round up here. No news here. This has been announced. This is no surprise. McGregor is back, supposedly coming back for the Ultimate Fighter, and he gets Chandler. There's been lots of talk. There's been lots of rumors that this is potentially the fight that Dana and the UFC have wanted to make. Well, it is the one that they want to make, and I, I'm i glad it's happening. I think this is entertaining as hell. I think if you're trying to push the ultimate fighter back into people's minds, <laughs> this is the way to do it. You put McGregor on anything, and people are going to want to tune in, right? You know there's going to be trash talk. You know there's going to be drama. It's going to be wild. And then at the end, hopefully everyone stays safe, and we get to see these two maniacs go and throw down. This is all Michael Chandler has wanted. Since he's entered the UFC, he has made it clear that he wants the big fights, whether it's for the belt or just people like McGregor. He wants these big moments, and he's getting them because he delivers, Michael. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this to me, this is the fight that makes sense for, for a lot of reasons. Since Chandler has came into the UFC, he's made big waves with the fans. Everyone's tuned in for a Michael Chandler fight. You know, for us hardcore fans, we, we've known that for years is Michael Chandler cut his teeth in different promotions, but... Uh, yeah, this is the fight to make. And, and honestly, um, Connor's the type of guy where Chandler said it best. The sport's kind of a little better when Connor's fighting. A lot more attention gets brought to the sport. You bring in more viewers, brings the drama. Like whether you like him or you don't like him, you love him or you hate him, you tune in for a McGregor fight because you know it's going to be a spectacle. Sure. You, everything that comes with it from the, the press conferences, the trash talk, the weigh-ins, the walkout, the, the fight. Everything about a Connor spectacle. He's it, on. It's, it's He's on the whole it's time. It's very captivating. Yeah. And this is the best way to revamp the Ultimate Fire. Is you got to bring. You know they have. They they always bring in good coaches. I mean, it's always going to get the attention that it deserves. So, in the fact that it's going to be Chandler and Connor, this this season's actually going to be on Big ESPN. So through the spring and the summer, it'll be on Big ESPN, and that's going to bring in a lot of views. And that's good. The more eyes we can get on the sport, the more that it grows. So. And like you said, what a, what a fight that's going to be. I mean, there's no way that fight lasts longer than eight minutes. It's just yeah. impossible. There's no way it lasts longer than eight minutes. It's going to be a fun fight. I'm here for it. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun. Oh, it's going to be fun. And you know what? I'm going to yeah. make, make make Christine sit down and watch those with me because I've been I've been sitting down. I've been watching The Bachelorette, you know, or The Bachelor. Yeah, I forget what's going on right now, but it's uh, we're tuning in tonight, you know, so now she can watch. 
the chaos unfold on the ultimate fighter for me. There you go. Um, and speaking of this, since we're on these two guys, and since it is roundup, um, first of all, yeah. Charles Oliver, just gotta mention him real quick. Charles Oliver, we just gotta make sure we mention that. We name. did at the top of the show, actually, didn't we? Oh, did we? Sorry, so, yeah. I like to double down. Yeah. I yeah. like to double down. Stay the course, people, baby. You know, stay important. But if you had to pick a sandwich for each of these guys, what what, what sandwich would you pick? What's the Connor sandwich? What's the Michael Chandler sandwich, Michael? Okay, for Connor, I mean, it's obviously it's got to be something with like corned beef, you know, a Reuben, something of that sort. A little Irishy. Uh, yes, you know, you know, something with some Irish tones to it. For Chandler, I feel like it's like a a, a triple beef patty lettuce wrap because the guy doesn't look like he's had a carb since like '99, <laughs> you know. So I think if Chandler's just like three burger patties wrapped in a piece of lettuce. <laughs> you know, with like some creatine Protein. sauce on it or something. Yeah, you know, like you know, with like some BCAA ketchup infused, and, yeah, you know, BCAA ketchup, <laughs> some amino infused ketchup or something. You know, like. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's pretty. You know, Chandler don't eat bread. Can we come on? Every time I see Mike Chandler, like, when's the last time you had a freaking piece of bread, dude? Your six pack sticks out the freaking ear. You know, so that would be my pick. Yeah. um I'm not even going to touch that. I'm going to leave that as is. I think that's a perfect sandwich for both of you guys. A good old, we'll, we'll go traditional, just just delicious Irish cooked corned beef. Leave that on the side. Maybe some nice, maybe some nice. Um, make it. We'll put it on some soda bread, huh, Richie? Some Irish soda bread for uh, oh, okay, for Connor. I don't know. I don't know how well that makes a sandwich to be completely. Some like proper bread. proper twelve right. infused mustard or something like that. Yeah, a little, yeah, a little proper yeah. twelve mustard sauce. Hey. Yeah, you got to get some branding in there, or you, know, you know, and finish it down with a black forge stout. You know, Look you know what? This. I'll be honest. I'm going to be completely honest. I've tried the proper twelve. I'm not the biggest fan. I'm not. I'm not yeah. the biggest fan, but. I'm curious to try the stout. I'd give the stout a yeah. try. I mean, we, obviously, we're both huge beer guys. I'd yeah, sit down a with a couple pints of that and shoot the shoot the crap yeah, on that I can't one. Wait to have a beer. good. Yeah, buddy, yeah, sounds good to me. Now, yeah, like but you that. know, now you get to enjoy this next. The next one, the that's when mm -hmm. it's for real. All right, round three. Um, obviously, the Black Beast just took yeah. on uh, Spivak. Took forever. This <laughs> fight was delayed, but mm -hmm. this was the biggest win for Sergey. Spivak to go out there and first round get the submission over Derek Lewis. <sighs> I hate seeing these fights work out this way for Derek Lewis. You just want to see him get to throw hands and, and go out there and do his thing. But I feel like the division is starting to be pretty aware of what you got to do with Derek Lewis. Get him down as, as immediately as you possibly can. We've seen Daniel Cormier do it in the past. We've seen people do it time and time again. Sometimes he catches you, which is crazy to think that, Curtis Blade can't seem to get past that, even though he's got the God, kryptonite. He's got crazy. the kryptonite. Yeah. But. You know, Curtis Blades could still become – I think the guy could, has the real potential to touch gold. I know that's a little off topic, but that wrestling pedigree he has and how he's rounding off his striking, I mean, it's 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 crazy to think that Derek Lewis sparked him. But for Sergey Spivak, man um, – it's not only the grappling with Derek Lewis. I think that people have figured out that – you gotta start fast on him, like Sergey Spivak and Tai Tuivasa did. You gotta jump the guy from the start. Um, I'm not saying Derek's a slow starter, but I'm just saying he's the guys that jump out front early on Derek have a lot of success. Um, yeah, but Spivak, man, he made it look easy, and, and he got out of there unscathed. Didn't have to eat any of those big power shots that Derek Lewis brings to the table, and 
Sergey's going to find himself in one of those positions where probably not a lot of guys are going to be clamoring to fight him. I mean, his only loss is Tom Aspinall, which is a fight he took on very short notice. Um, and he's rounding off a striking too. So I think that there's, yeah. there's no, he's got great boxing as well. He's a big guy, dude. I see him around the PI all the time and the guy can slang weight. He's tall. He's physical. Uh, you know, and it's just heavyweight. Like you said, it's, 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 it's very evolving. It's heavyweight at yeah. one point was like very much based around specialists. Like this guy's a wrestler. This guy's a striker. This guy's a jujitsu guy where now it's like, we're getting guys that can really start to do it all much like the lighter weight classes. So Sergey Spivak is kind of the epitome of that. So interesting stuff. I don't think Derek's done by any means, but I think it's time no. for him to like, let's take some fun fights. Let's jump out of the, the top five, yeah, the top man. 10. He can still compete. It's just, I just think that it's, it's, it's time to have some fun fights. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Just go out there, try to get fight some Andre Arlovsky. I don't think they fight. Fight Andre Arlovsky. Yeah, fight, fight somebody that's not, you know, going to be a title challenger soon. But speaking of heavyweights, hanging it up. Yeah. Fedor Emelianenko is Crazy. finally done. I know a lot yeah. of people have maybe the writing has been on the wall for a long time. He maybe has done uh, a few more than, than uh, some people would have thought, but he went out. He had a lot of legends that were there to see him off um, and to say their goodbyes and respects to him. And I'm glad that that he is stepping away because you hate to see these guys who were kind of our young MMA selves uh, idols. You know, these guys that were big pride champions and open weight tournament champions and doing stuff that uh, you just don't see anymore and fighting in a style that you don't see anymore because it's, the time has passed that by, man. Like the big overhand rights and and being able to pull off an arm bar off your back. It's just pe people are too damn good anymore to get caught in the same things. And I think you can see that in this last fight with with Fedor that it's 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 definitely time to to hang it up and and go coach, go do some other things, go go be a legend, man. Yeah, I wish he would have stopped after the Tim Johnson fight. He got a big knockout over Tim Johnson, former UFC vet. And, and I think that that would have been a good point to end on. Yeah, all right. Because he looked look where he's at in his age. I mean, he's 46 years old. God forbid, unless I get to, you know, whatever Glover Teixeira had going for him by father time, I don't plan on fighting in the 40. You know what I mean? So, uh, but for, for him to go out there and, and just want that one last fight, um, it's not that I think he even needed to. I mean, this is a guy that's got a storied career. He lives a humble lifestyle. You know, I just think he just, he has a competitor. He wanted one more and, and he wanted Ryan Bader. And it's like, wow, you wanted the, one of the tougher challenges on that promotions roster. So, yeah, you know, he, even though he didn't win, he still went out on his own terms. And, you know, of course, you know, the MMA gods aren't always going to give us what we want. Um, they but rarely do for a retirement fight. Yeah, they but nonetheless, do. I mean, I enjoyed watching Fedor for all the years he competed. Really, you know, took the to took ground and pound to another level. I mean, Mark Coleman will always be the godfather of ground and pound, but Fedor took it to another level. And uh, he, we actually study a lot of tapes on Fedor when it comes to certain things we do within our gym and within our curriculum. So, uh, all the best, Mister Fedor. Yes, thank you, Fedor. Uh, you are indeed a, a pioneer and a legend of this sport. There's no doubt about that. Um, yep. and that brings us to round five and mm -hmm. super fights, you know, super we're, fights. we're, we're about to have a major super fight this weekend. We're two of the pound for pound greats and two champions, a division apart from each other are going to be colliding and going for it. And obviously Volkanovsky looking for 
double champ status. But that mm-hmm. brings up a good point. What are some of these super fights that have kind of eluded us in the UFC? There's one obvious one that just eluded us recently, right? Yeah. Um, that was so you one. go first. What's 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 on your mind of fights that you're like, oh, I wish that fight would have happened, whether it be different organizations or just never ended up getting the negotiations worked out. That's a tough one. That's a really tough one because the really a, a super fight is like two people, whether it's from two different weight classes or two different promotions. I mean, to me, that's like the true definition of a super fight. Uh, it's hard not to categorize. Habib and Tony Ferguson is, is not yeah. super. I mean, to me, that that was like obviously like in this sport, like it's there's a lot of recency bias. Like you, you a lot of people look at a guy, like prime example, Fedor, like the the shortcomings in the the on the on the later end of his career start to overshadow yeah. all the great things he did yeah. before. Go back and look at like a prime Ferguson when he was on that 12 fight win streak. Just just the idea of him and Habib fighting each other, like but outside of that, I'd probably say Anderson Silva versus John Jones. I think that was a that was a big one. I love to see Anderson and John Jones, two tremendous strikers. Um, you know, and Anderson, his prime lasted so long that fight could have been made so many times, but for whatever reason, it never materialized. So I think yeah. those would be the two fights that I would have liked to see. And another one along those lines, uh, Anderson and, and George St. Pierre was another one that was knocked around for a long time, never never really worked out. And you know, one that's not that far uh removed from us and somebody that's still coming back conor mcgregor when javel dos anjos was the lightweight champion that's a fight yeah. that i still intrigues me and um was looking like it was going to have some great build up and then obviously Rafael got hurt and uh it never happened right and that's got to suck when you're the guy that gets hurt and you're trying to book that super fight with somebody like mcgregor where you know it's going to yeah. be just insane pay-per-view buys you could just literally change the uh course of your family's life for a long oh, time red panty night baby that's where red panty night came from that was red panty night yeah that was the that red was panty. <laughs> so those hey are the you know that, speaking of super true. fights paul yeah we got super bowl this weekend let's go hey, Chiefs. go let's birds. go chiefs come, come on baby on, bro. <laughs> no i'm going for the eagles i'm going i'm going for let's the go. nfc i'm going for oh, the man. nfc Let's go. Let's go Eagles. You know, I got I'm a I get to actually watch this one. The last time that the Eagles were in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, when we won, Ooh. Richie remembers this very well. We were coming back from Brazil, Brazil and had to watch the first half in the Sao Paulo lounge. We're all going nuts. I remember everybody's having a good time. We were drinking, we're eating, and then we all had different flights and me and Richie had the same flight back. Where was our connection, Richie? Houston? Yeah, it might have been. I, anyway, it doesn't matter. But me and him were on what? What were we just like on the ESPN app or something like that, watching the football move up and down the field? Yeah, just giving us. Oh, like yeah, where you, you're not watching the game and it just says yeah. the score and you just see the ball. And I was, oh my! I gosh. was drinking whiskeys and I even called my brother illegally and the lady's like, "Sir, <laughs> that's awesome. on the phone." I was like, "The Eagles just won the Super Bowl." She's like, "I don't care." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's gonna be a good I'm one. I, so I, I can, I can I hope the Eagles pull it off. Kelsey's, yeah. Kelsey's like a closet Chiefs fan, so she's like, you know, she's gonna be rooting for the Chiefs, and I'm going with the Eagles. Well, so let's go, let's I'll go, Birds. I didn't hear that. And um, <laughs> so anyway, that's the end of roundup. Michael Chiesa has got a freaking fight. Let's all get behind him. Let's all wish him an outstanding training camp and go get it in Miami. Uh, 284 super fight happening this weekend. Somebody will be crowned. 
Um, the lightweight champion, maybe it's new, maybe it's end still. Somebody could be double champ status, pound for pound greats are on the line. And obviously we will uh, we will tune in and, and we will recap all this next week. So peace out from Roundup, guys. Tune in, send us any comments, send us any questions, and we'll try to get you in on the next five rounds. <clears throat> mm <clears throat>